love that scripture. Do you not see it? See, I have already begun. Our ability to see is everything. Our hearts see before our eyes do. And I'm believing there'll be awakening in our heart today. That God is going to awaken things in our heart today as the word goes out. Hope restored. Faith ignited in this place today. That we would dream again and perceive again and begin to take a hold of the things that are rightfully ours. God has scripted out our life. He's written it with a heavenly hand. And it's his in the business of partnering with us to call forth and to breathe life into those things that we carry in our heart. He's, he's our wingman, the great wingman assigned to us for this life. A pathway through the wilderness, rivers in the dry wasteland, miraculous, contradictory provision, the restoration of life. That is the nature of my God. He is a way maker. He makes a way even in the barren places. And you know, just as the Lord is a way maker, we too our way makers. He has anointed us and ordained us also to be those that carve out pathways in barren places, that build highways from the house of God out into the community, through our families and our relationships. We carry the spirit of life. We actually, as we meet Christ and he enters our heart, life enters our lungs and our veins and our heart and we begin to breathe in and breathe out the spirit of life. So we too are way makers. And I want to talk today about the Caleb spirit. If ever there was a young man anointed to make a way, to perceive and to see a way, even where the others couldn't see, it was Caleb. And I'm believing for the impartation of the Caleb spirit in this room today, that we would catch it, that we know that we too can be way makers in partnering with the great I am. Caleb was a way maker. He had a no turning back philosophy. He had a no turning back conviction. See, Moses sent out a group of men to scout out the land for future settlement. He, he sent his men out to, to assess the land and to come back with the report. And it says in Numbers 13, 27, they told Moses, we came to this land which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But the people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there we saw the sons of Anak of great stature and courage. Now the generation of scouts that had been sent out had grown up in Goshen, a place called Goshen, and had probably never seen walled cities in their life. So when they came up against the walled cities of this place, many of them were overwhelmed and, and intimidated by that reality. Can I tell you that just because something is unfamiliar doesn't make it greater than God. Just because you're facing unknown, uncharted territory in your relationships, in your finances, in the advancing of your business, in your marriages, let me tell you, it does not make it greater than God. Just because it's unfamiliar does not make it greater than God. You know, God is greater than even our sense of inadequacy. He's even greater than that when our heart fails us, when fear overcomes, when we look to the future and the veil is over our eyes and we can't see beyond the future. We can't see into our future. God is even greater than our sense of inadequacy. In fact, as we make peace with our inadequacy, God overshadows us. It's actually the place that we find supreme surrender. 
And surrender is a powerful place in which we release the license or the reins or the power of our life and we admit, God, we need the great I am to overshadow in this place. And not my will, not but yours be done. Lord, I, I offer you, I, I surrender, I, I, I lean into the great I am. It's a powerful place. It's a supreme place, that of surrender, when we offer our inadequacy. Now, fear, on the other hand, this is what fear does. It projects, it exaggerates, and it makes things seem bigger than what they really are. I'm sure those city walls and those giants in the land were looming to the 10 uh, scouts that went in alongside Joshua and Caleb. I'm sure, see, fear projects and makes larger. It exaggerates our reality. And I'm going to bring up a picture here today. It's like a distortion of reality. This is what fear, this is a sweet depiction actually but this is what fear does it actually makes something seem different to what it really is it distorts the reality and that's why we ask to have to ask God's light to come and fill our mind to fill our heart and to bring back the mountain down to the molehill to put into perspective actually what we're walking into because there's a heavenly transaction as we surrender to God as we surrender our inadequacy in that place his spirit and his life fills us and it strengthens our soul and we begin to see a way he then illuminates the way and we, we get a hold of that no turning back for philosophy. We get a little bit of chutzpah, a little bit of audacity on the inside of us and we begin to see the possibilities. It's like it flicks a switch and a new way becomes possible to us. And I'm praying that. I'm praying for that as we sit under the word here today, that possibilities, that switches and strategies will be going off in our heart and mind right across this room. Because God is in the business of downloading a specific strategy for your circumstance. If we would open our heart to the possibility, I know right now across the room, he's just going to be speaking to you. See, the Holy Spirit travels between the words. I send the word forth, but he moves between the words, and then he goes into your heart, and he wrestles in the soil of your heart, and he digests the word just as you particularly and uniquely need it for your circumstances. He's so personal, the Holy Spirit, isn't he? And he's right in our midst here today. Now, here's the funny thing about fear is sometimes it, it cloaks in pride and it defends itself with accusation, but underneath it's really cowardice. You know, sometimes you come up against a bit of a prickly pear personality. I don't know if you've interacted with one recently, but it's like fear. When there's cowardice in the heart of us sometimes, we put on that cloak of pride and we throw the accusation across the room, but really if you peel back the layers, it's just fear and cowardice residing in the heart of man and woman. And, you know, sometimes we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, even when we're talking to our spouses and our children, show me, Holy Spirit, what is the motive? What is causing the fire to come out of that person? Why is, it, why is the accusation being, being, why are we sparring right now? What's going on underneath the surface layers here, Holy Spirit? Lift the layers so that I could see and understand what's in the heart of that person that I'm interacting with. And actually, when we ask the Holy Spirit, then what normally accompanies that is grace and kindness and compassion because we actually start to understand why they're relating the way that they are. We have a heavenly insight. So we don't have to do this life on our own. And if we just if we just function on the surface level, we're going to miss all those layers, all those heart layers that are going on and moving the people around us. We are not cowards. We are Caleb's. We too have a no turning back philosophy. And the story continues in verse 30. 
Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But his fellow scouts said, we are not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they are stronger than we. Dan Rockwell makes this statement. Those who aren't committed find fault. Those who are find a way. Let's be way makers. Let's be no turning back people. Let's partner with the Holy Spirit and ask for his perception. Ask for his insight. Let's be of those that find a way. This is who we are. You know, and remember that division is a tactic of the enemy to dilute our effectiveness. See, there were 10 Verses 2 in this story, the majority did not have the faith to see. There were just two, Joshua and Caleb, who saw another outcome, who saw another way. And um, unbelief in these circumstances needs to be quietened so that faith can cut through. So that faith can cut through. You know, sometimes we just need to stop talking. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you get on a bit of a spiral. You get a bit of, on a bit of a downward spiral. You start you, you get fixated on something and then you start talking about that thing and then it's like this rant, a downward spiral that's not going to go anywhere, not going to produce anything, no good fruit's going to come of it, but it's like somebody get me off this train. Sometimes you need a friend to get you off that, that verbal train and, you know, faith, doubt needs to be quietened so that faith can cut through. But sometimes you find yourself on this rant, it's like you're locked in, the seatbelt's on and you just want to get off this ride because it's not going going anywhere and it's not producing any fruit. So we need to be disciplined with the fruit of our mouth because it will either build up and, and impart life or it will pull down. And every word that comes forth from our mouth uh, ha has an assignment or an outcome attached to it. And uh, you've got to ask yourself, is the assignment of my mouth for heaven's cause? Is it to build up my marriage? Is it to build up my family? Is it to endorse my finances? Or is the assignment of my mouth being hijacked right now? And is the enemy rather entering by the pathway of my mouth and releasing words through that my mouth are actually going to undermine the beauty and the fruitfulness and the power of my future. So we've got to ask the Holy Spirit. We've got to give him license over our mouth to convict our heart so that the overflow of the heart would be pure and upright and honor him and strengthen everything that he's given us jurisdiction over. Amen. Come on, let's thank God in this place today. Because the thing was, negativity and unbelief disqualified the Israelites from entering the promised land. Actually, a whole generation died in the wilderness because they did not possess that Caleb spirit. And the Lord was looking to cultivate and increase the Caleb spirit. He wanted the no turning back spirit to be rife through the next generation. So actually one wandered and, and laid down and died in that barren place. And it was just a few that carried that spirit that entered the promised land and that Caleb spirit, that no turning back spirit was cultivated and reproduced in the next generation. Can I say for the sake of your children, for the sake of your future, have a Caleb spirit, have a no turning back spirit because it's catching, it's contagious. It'll get on them, it'll move through them. For the sake of your future, have a Caleb spirit. For the sake of your children, have a Caleb spirit. Choose to speak life. Choose to release life over your world. And you know, especially as leaders, we have a high responsibility to discipline our speech because we're leading people into life or into death. 
We're leading them into, we're leading into them into places because of our influence. And I want to bring up a picture today, um, which a young artist friend of mine drew, and it's the shape of influence. And it's actually a root system, which I think is a profound interpretation of the shape of influence. And there are two words in finer print on that, and it's the visible and it's the invisible. And influence is one of those intangible things which we can't quite measure or grasp or grapple with. The the vast expansion of our influence. And I want to encourage some of you today that your influence is far wider and greater and richer and deeper than you can even imagine. I want to encourage some of you in this place today that there is more fruit, that your harvest is wider and denser and further and much of the unseen work, especially of the pastors amongst our place. In fact, I want to recognize Pastor Vivian, Pastor Patrick, the pastor of our African community. Can I tell you the health and the dignity and the steadfastness which is amongst our African community is because of much of the unseen root system work of this mighty couple. And it's not to be underestimated, and it's not insignificant, and sometimes we need to be reminded that the influence and the health and the investment and the sacrifice of our work is worth its weight in gold. In fact, there is a legacy on you and on your children, and running right through your bloodline is royalty and steadfastness and richness and a harvest. And let me tell you, it's going to continue from generation to generation. It will not be broken like a bloodline, a royal bloodline, a fruit-bearing bloodline from generation to generation. You're going to sit in the eldership days of your life and look with wonder at what God is doing through your family line. It's going to be broad. It's going to be far-reaching. They're going to have a gift of deliverance on their life. They're going to lay hands on. They're going to intercede and actually see um, strongholds broken off family lines. They're going to literally, wherever you put your hand, wherever the Uwadio hand is touched, let me tell you, deliverance comes, health resolves, marriages reconcile. It is the mark of your leadership, is the mark of your headship in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's thank God here today. Caleb said we are well able to conquer it. A leap of faith is different to a leap of hope. Hope is moving in our own authority. Faith is moving in God's authority. You know, later the Israelites moved by hope and they were smite bad time by the enemy, big time by the enemy, because they moved in their own assumption. They moved in hope. Caleb, on the other hand, was prepared to take a leap of faith, which is empowered by God. It's authorized by God. It's ordained by God. And when God says something is going to be, let me tell you, no power on heaven or earth can prevail against it. If God says something is going to be, if there's a promise in your heart that you're holding on to today, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what your circumstances say. If God said it will be, then it will be in Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> Caleb saw differently. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. He saw a different outcome. He saw advancing. He saw success because he had a different spirit. He had a no turning back spirit. And some of you feel dismayed, unnerved, overwhelmed here today. And you would say, how do I get a different spirit? Well, David teaches us how in the Psalms. In Psalm 
51.10, he, he teaches us how to renew a right spirit, how to adopt a Caleb spirit, how to adopt the spirit of God into our life. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering and steadfast spirit within me. Some of us need a renewing here today, a detox here today when we are tired and the defences are down, those little foxes creep in. They creep in amongst the vines. But in a moment, a heavenly transaction occurs and the weight and the tiredness and the apathy and the veil is lifted and the breath of life re-enters our lungs. And at the end of the service today, in just a moment, I'm going to open this altar and let me tell you the breath of God is going to breathe into, into barren, dry, worn out lungs here today. I know restoration is going to occur on this place today. So ready your heart to step onto the altar here today. You know, I, I've met many beautiful people in the ministry of new life, but there was one particular man who, uh, his name is Raid, and he told his story recently. We met him at Bella Vista when we were hosting the service there. And now we've moved to Fairfield and he came just a couple of weeks ago. And in the midst of the service, he got up to tell a bit of his story. And uh, he talked about what happened back home and how ISIS came and stormed his home and, and burnt and, and ravaged his family place. And he, with his family, and many families, exited their home. And they sought refuge in this place, in that place, in another place. And then they settled for about 50 weeks in a church hall, actually 50 families side by side in this um, refuge. And they waited there until their visa came and they could come to Australia. They came to Australia. Their first stop was Bella Vista. And he said, one day, Natalie came to my door and knocked on my door and invited me to the service. And he said, it was like Jesus knocked on my door that day. But what's amazing about this story is actually Raid's countenance, as he told the latter part of the story, uh, you know, is it, what's to be expected. It, it was, um, he, was, he was broken. He was humble. You know, the spirit of death. The, he was drawn and then as he spoke the name of Jesus it was like light light came in his face he smiled and his whole countenance changed it was like a miracle to witness before my eyes and he continued to tell his story of assimilating and making connections and the whole latter part of his story I looked at the countenance the, the, the sense of Jesus upon him, the sense of the spirit of life upon him. And you know, we tried to do lots of things for our Reed's, Reed's family. We gave them furniture, we gave them food, we, we had tea with them, we sat with them, we organized this and that. And I thought to myself through this whole time, why can't I see him smile? Why is there no change? And I've learned, if nothing else in all of this, that material things, yes, they restore dignity and that, that is worth it. But only Jesus, only the spirit of life, only the great I am can lift the countenance from death to life and restore hope and give back strength. Only Jesus, only Jesus can do that. And his great Holy Spirit. And, you know, even Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit himself. And this is how he describes him in John 14, 26. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit Spirit 
the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall all that I have told you. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, God resided and would meet with man. And then Jesus came and he walked amongst men and he gave his life as a ransom for all of mankind and then he rightfully returned heavenward. But in his place, he left the Holy Spirit who now resides amongst us. And in order to get the spirit of Caleb, the no turning back spirit, in order to see an exchange from the spirit of death to the spirit of life, actually the infilling of the Holy Spirit accomplishes this thing. The great infilling of the Holy Spirit breathes life and unifies us with the great I am. It's a union, it's like the egg in the we join together, we become one in God as we are filled with the Holy Spirit.